Hey everyone, this is Lawrence, and uh, I'm here with my co-host Steve, and this will be episode 18 of the Thirst for Knowledge podcast. How are you doing today, Steve? Wonderful. Can't wait for Christmas to go away. (laughs) I'm sure your kids are excited about that, and uh, you're probably ready for Christmas break to be over, right? Um, Yeah, Christmas break started for me today, but, you know, for people who don't have kids today i had to like run around and get groceries and stuff because the weekend you know we were all home and i always go grocery shopping on mondays but everyone else in the world is running around shopping for christmas at the last minute and so my grocery shopping that normally takes like an hour took about four and i wasn't very happy about it makes sense one of my coworkers uh decided to get his kids a dog for christmas and he has to go pick it up at somewhere in Pennsylvania. So like tomorrow morning, he's like waking up at like 4 a.m. to leave by five or something so that he can get to uh, Pennsylvania, pick this dog up and then drive back and be back by noonish. So, uh, you know, that's uh, I don't know. That's that's on him, I guess. Anything for the kids, right? Oh, well, I mean. I get it. Like it, my, my, part of my problem was I had to go to Costco and unfortunately Costco sells gifts and anywhere that, you know, and where I live in Florence mall road is where all this stuff is. And it's just heinous to drive in mall road during Christmas time. And I've tried to avoid it, but my cricket needed actual, um, or my, not my cricket, my bearded dragon needed crickets. So I couldn't stop that from happening. Makes sense. So, <clears throat> Anyway, how about we uh, dive into this last week of Legacy? So I believe last week we talked about how Hans and Anders did well with, you know, Grixis draw three Delver. And we talked about how the deck seemed okay, but maybe not insanely positioned. Um, Just seemed like a nice reactionary meta call to all the grindy blue decks. And um, Hans decided to flex on everybody by winning his second Eternal Weekend tournament, making him the first person to win both a United States Eternal Weekend and a European one. Uh, And then we also saw first through third place of the mode of Legacy Challenge being basically his deck list. Double Bedlam Reveler in the main, and then some number of Painful Truths in the sideboard. Grixis Delver. I. I can't say I'm shocked to see this, right? Like the deck list is really tuned and it has a, you know, it has a pretty defined game plan of just like grind your opponent completely into oblivion. But it is interesting to see it be this dominant in back-to-back weeks. What do you think of that? Um, I assume like Legacy is not getting a lot of focus Special, except by the specialists, but the specialists, you know, really haven't had an op- opportunity to even tune their own decks to a perceived metagame. The metagame's shifting like every week right now. People are worried about four color, five color nonsense, and Oko this and DNT rising. And then I think Delver was just under everyone's radar. And this Delver deck just, you know, was very tuned for the Oko metagame. Yeah, it's, you know, it has the three blasts it has the painful truths and the mystic sanctuary combo to just basically have infinite ancestrals as long as you can find a daze and the sideboard is interesting because it's just very very narrow a lot of the times you'll see these delver decks play more ones and two ofs just to maximize on the number of cantrips but you know hans has two abrade the control draw package of painful truths mystic sanctuary three pyroblasts um, and then the Dread of Night Nolrog to Plague Engineer 3 Surgical, or at least that's what Tommy Ashton won with. I assume that's what Hans played. Yeah, he just ran back the 75 from the challenge. So, I don't know. It, I find this list interesting because my main concern is that you're just awkwardly weak against Storm, potentially. But I guess Dreadherd Arcanus can 
kind of free roll that matchup for you. But I feel like there's probably a few flex slots that can um, be toyed with, depending on how everyone else around you reacts, right? I think this list is just tuned to beat the fair metagame. I mean, this guy, HJ is not losing to DNT any time of the week. Half of the Dirtle blue decks, he's probably going to kind of steamroll. Um, uh, his deck doesn't care about Oko. Is it necessarily true that he's not losing to DNT? <clears throat> like, he he has a lot of two mana threats. Bedlam Reveler is kind of hard to cast. Uh, gets kind of slowed down by well, Thalia. I'm saying post well post port. He's got the two plague engineers, two of braids, um, the, the dreaded knight and, and dreaded knight. Yeah, dreaded knight. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't so think, post board, I think he's post compensated. Board, yeah, like I think post board, he like his board is designed. I think when I was talking about like he's designed his board is designed to fight fair decks, and I, I think like what you're saying about you look at his board and you go, there's nothing there for combo, and you know it's he's just got the surgicals, and then he's just and, like free rolling. He just yeah yeah. And like pyroblast for sneak and show, but he, you know, we talked last week about how there wasn't the additional like force negation, flusterstorm, sometimes extra discard effects that these lists would generally play to uh, have an extra thing, you know. All right, I, I think it's an identification of the metagame right now because the metagame isn't very combo centric because uh, you know there's a lot of thought sees him decks running around with Teferi and other nonsense cards and, you know, Drown of the Locks and everything else. So I think Combo's trying to adapt still to that. Plus the Veil of Summers, right? Like, you know, the best thing about Hans is he's not even worrying about Veil of Summer. Like, he's letting those other decks do do his work for him. They'll mitigate Combo while he beats them up. That makes sense. Um, I'm not sure how well Storm has been doing. Or I guess Tagoras top-aided Eternal Weekend with Tess, I believe. Uh, let me double check that, but I'm fairly sure he played the newer version of Tess that's like all in on Witch Claw Talisman and the like. And yeah. It was Echo of Echo of Aeons and yeah. Wasn't it? Is this Echo really Aeons, four main deck the... Veil of Summer? I mean, people are thought season and hemming. <laughs> so I think, I think that's a smart decision. Also, no, there's and the defense grids, yeah, because of the Mox Opal package, yeah, yeah. I mean, do what you got to do, I guess. Oh, and a main deck chain of vapor? No way. This, I'm, I'm not sure. The website has the deck list posted correctly. Yeah, it doesn't probably because Rite of Flames in the sideboard. Yeah, it has one Rite of Flame in the sideboard and has. I guess you burning wish for it. Never mind. I don't know. This looks like a severely like uh, skewed deck, but I, no. I haven't paid attention. To they have the deck list correct. I'm looking at the what Tagoras posted on Twitter: Quad Veil of Summer Main, Chain of Vapor Main. Uh, I guess like Chain of Vapor makes sense if you're on like a Wish Claw Talisman deck, right? You Wish Claw, then yeah. you chain it back uh, under your defense grid. So it all makes sense one right of flame in the sideboard to tutor four one infernal tutor to tutor four and then the echoes are split between main and side yeah this is the face of combo it's uh jesus fail of summer is such an obnoxious enabler well they need it as a defensive measure right right because it's kind of like you know the race to veil. Yeah, but it says <laughs> so, it says something about the format where like your where like your storm deck has stopped playing discard because quad veil of summer say, and no thought pieces, no thought sees, no duress in the seventy five, just quad veil of summer, two defense grid, and then a bunch of cards to answer like permanents scattered throughout the seventy five. It's 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 a lot. It's so it's more interesting to me because it's it's basically a more holistic, pure like cube version of Storm, where you're just trying to go off. Well, it's just like, and you're not worried about having like it's just Belcher with Ponder, right? Like we've everybody's joked right, that Tess right. is just Black Belcher or whatever, but this is like actually at the point where the deck is just a a Belcher deck that has a higher threshold for keepable hands. 
Yes. And can go off through hate. It can actually beat hate because of Burning Wish. So it's a really neat... I like the concept. I like the idea. I'm not going to play this deck, but... You know... Yeah, I think... I haven't played Tesson forever. I, I think this is what Bryant and uh, <clears throat> Landon and Anthony have been working on lately. So kudos to them for uh, <laughs> redefining Storm again. Um I don't even know if Ant is seeing play. Is there even any justification for playing Ant? Like, playing a long game seems kind of terrible against these four-color decks when everybody's jam-packing veils, so your whole, like, Thoughtseize game plan gets a lot worse, right? Um, yes. And then, I, I guess, like, Xanted Swarm gains more value, but... Yeah, Tess seems at least at face value better than ant in terms of how it's attacking the metagame for now. We'll see how that pans out and how players adapt to this. I think there's still a lot of room for people to figure out what they want to do and how they want to go about things. And, you know, like we mentioned, it seems like people are kind of reacting to each other. Uh, like the four color control decks popped up and now we're seeing like Grixis Delver with a bunch of draw threes in it to combat those decks. Um, and then we're getting to like the point where storm is becoming more of a Belcher deck. Maybe this will lead to Chalice of the Void style shells showing up more. Um, Agrolome, I'm not sure about Eldrazi or post, but Bomberman maybe. Like I think you have to play a Chalice deck that has some sort of either combo finish or a bit more consistency than something like, um, I think Bomberman can't beat Oko. <clears throat> yeah, I guess Oko does kind of just invalidate Chalice the Void as like a real axis of interaction, right? You have to yep. put people in a spot where they have to play something like Counterbalance, more or less. But that sounds like a terrible... Well, even Counterbalance is suspect. Yeah, it's Counterbalance has always been an awkward card. But how you want? Would you like to counterbalance not only a three, but what the hell is a uh, Mister Reveler? <laughs> it's like a six or something. Yeah, I mean you're never counting that. It's like an eight drop. I'm pretty sure it's six and two. Yeah, yeah, six and two. Yeah, it's six and two. So yeah, like I mean, if Dick Through Time was legal, you'd have a chance, but it's not. So <laughs> like, it's actually kind of funny to me. I don't think Counterbalance is good in any of these shells because they even have like main deck Brazen Borrowers half the time. So like they, they can test you at instant speed at multiple CMCs. Yeah, they can also set up turns where they play like, you know, some, like you said, EOT Brazen Borrower untap, play something a bit bigger. Your opponent has to do their snap brainstorm shenanigans to set up a counter and then you just Veil of Summer and there's the game. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Veil Veil of Summer stopping counterbalance. It's hysterical. Like, I don't know. But good job on HJ. He's uh everybody wants different things banned in Legacy currently, and it looks like HJ should be banned because I think he did well at GP Atlanta. He did he well three uh, weekends. He twelve three all of his GPs this year. Uh he only played the three legacy ones to my knowledge, but 12, three all of them, uh, GP Niagara, the moment of the tournament was walking up to him before the tournament. He was going, Oh my God, I'm so dumb. I'm like, Hans, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm so dumb. And he hands me his deck and I'm like looking through his deck. And I'm just like, what's the issue here? And then I see basic mountain and I look through his deck a few more times. And like Hans, did you register basic mountain with no scalding tarn? He was like, yes. <laughs> and um, he 12 3 that GP with miracles with a basic mountain in his sideboard <clears throat> with only two Arid Mesa that could fetch it. So <laughs> yeah, I, I guess he had to even the playing field for everyone else, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's. He's on. He's been on a tear the last couple years, and this year has been just insane because he's done well also on Magic Online, right? Yeah, like, he's just a hyper consistent player. 
Um, every time you see him do well, it's never a matter of like, oh, that's a shock. It's just like, yep, Hans is crushing. Not a, you know, not a surprise. You see H.J. Kaiser on moto and quiver in fear. Um, yeah, I mean, everything else. Oh, I have to say on the podcast that Lawrence was... Lawrence was right. Opposition is somehow still playable because the second place deck was an Oko opposition deck. I don't know if that proves the power of opposition or Oko, but I mean, Oko, Oko did make the uh, finals or opposition. Yeah. Um, can we just talk about the questing beast? Can we just talk about how that's just like the uh, thing now? Like the, the bug deck from I, GP, um, whatever it was that <laughs> the last legacy GP, the, the oh, wait, no, this isn't yeah, even, no, it was um, the Europe. No, where is it? Yeah. It's the same bug deck and you know, the one of questing beast there. And then the opposition deck has a questing beast as well. And that card is, um, I mean, gross. everybody's playing Strixes root. Everybody's playing Strixes. Well, right? it also stops True Name. It stops a lot of random stuff. Uh, Anurag and I were doing coverage for the Legacy, the Brazilian Legacy Nationals, and there was like a Maverick mirror where like one game looked completely unlosable for a player, and then his opponent just like plays the Questing Beast and just destroys him. It's just, it was nuts. Um, there's a lot of lines we, of text. We on were that actually card. joking with Anurag. We were joking with Anurag today, and he's and he started a league with um, uh, Green Sun Zenith Miracles with qu- one questing. Of piece. course, so and <laughs> and I hope he does well. I I don't know what happened. I had to. I was driving around, so I wasn't able to pay attention while driving. I mean, technically I could, but I got kids, and it's not responsible. But I, I don't know what happens. I'm, I can't wait to watch the vods. Well, to see he's currently still playing it. He has a tireless tracker, a Tarmogoyf, a scavenging ooze, a knight of autumn, two green sun zeniths, and the questy boy. Yes. Oh, and a collector oof. That yes. makes sense. I mean, the collector oof I wasn't sure about because he has astrolabe in his um, deck. <laughs> Arkham. Yeah. Okay. But he said he, he said he pulls him out when he needs that. I don't know. Um. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. Sometimes the non-bows are worth it, right? Like, I mean, you're playing questing beast. It doesn't matter. You're you're smashing. <laughs> I really like the questing beast. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I I think it's the Jace that Jace is. It's the right Jason. It's got lots of lines of text. That, we were calling it the Jace of Maverick Mirrors. There you go. That's actually really good. I was I was comparing it to Jace and the fact that it's got a ton of text. It probably just wins the game. It's actually hard to kill where Jace used to be hard to kill. Uh, it's like there's a lot of things that, you know, you can't spell pierce it. Man, it's going to smash like it. And it's quick too. like everything. It does oh, yeah. is insane. It just I it. um. He was worried about how to interact with planeswalkers. And I was like questing, questing beast beasts. plus the combat stuff. <laughs> what, what else do you need to interact with planeswalkers? Well, no, he smashes, he hits them for four and then deals exactly. four what to else the Planeswalker. Questing Beast plus combat stuff. That's one of the, that, that, like, and they can't block every time, every time he like, look at the board state and it was like, he played against elves and he played against a mentor deck and he played against that. Every time they could not block Questing Beasts. They did not have enough power toughness and it was hysterical. Like, I was just like, this, this card is actually good every time. So I don't know if it's actually good, but yeah, I, th- I think it's just a powerful card. If you're playing green, it just seems like a free roll to have a singleton copy. Is green sun Zenith the new ponder? Mm. Is that, is that this, is this, is that the ponder? For I don't know year? about that, but I think um, green is just gaining a lot of playability. So like these green decks need some counterplay against planeswalkers. Well, like hear me out. If you need ponder, you need ponder because you're not sure you want to make sure and hit your land drops correct and play against the correct side of the metagame. But if the metagame is pretty much skewed towards fair, 
do you want Ponder or you just want Green Sun Zenith? Because Green's got like enough powerful cards anyways to deal with some c- combo decks, but almost uh, all fair. My decks. first question was like, why not both? But probably space, right? I don't think these. So the. Yeah. What is it? The bug deck doesn't have Ponder. It looks like it just has Astrolabe and a bunch of other creatures. Uh, I think it kind of just depends on what angle you want to attack on, right? Like, if you think the like the go-wide constant pressure game plan is a bit better than trying to fight the control decks on the same axis, it, I think it's just a matter of like maximizing where you're best as a player. I know some people who are loving uh, all of these blue mirrors and are just like, yeah, I'm doing super well in them. And then I think there are other people who are going to want to sidestep playing these blue mirrors and like, you know, the opposition deck, you get to have access to Oko and the same thing with the bug deck, you get to have access to Oko, but you're more of like a creature centric shell. So you get to play like a pseudo control game while also playing this creature beatdown game. You're playing haymakers. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what's scary, right? Like you're, 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 it's like where the other decks like cantripping and sculpting and getting ready for the big turn. They're just like, no, every turn I'm going to play the courser on three and courser's like, you know, is it a card? But you know what? I mean, if like, you know, if it means they get an extra card off the top as a land drop and it, they start, you know, sculpting their hand while hitting you, that's super annoying. Tyler's tracker, Tyler's tracker is just. That's just a plain annoying magic card. <laughs> like it's not great, but it's annoying against control. I, I mean, it, it gives so, you a lot of like, value. Like the deck is kind of at a certain point, just green two for ones, you know? It's, right. It, right. Blue it's a blue elves for people who don't want to like run a synergy based deck or a deck that's as synergy based, right? Like, you still have the whole like green draw engine creature package game plan type of magic going on, but you're not so focused on just like the wirewood symbiote plus um, Elvis visionary thing or, you know, all of the elves combo aspects. You're just playing a much fairer game in just increasing the power level of your cards or like the floor on your cards. Your ceiling may be, not as high or maybe similar right um you're gonna be definitely like a less explosive deck but when you're just like playing course of crew fix into leovold or whatever that's probably good enough against enough things right well i mean it does it it does the force of will check a lot like every turn is going to be a a force of will check which is super, you know, that's difficult for a lot of decks to maintain counter traditional counter spells not being played. And yeah, but like the downside is um, like your early game is interacted with easily by like lightning bolt and those type of effects. Since you're leaning on, you know, gilded goose and stuff, um, your collaterals are probably insane because you're completely overloading your opponent's removal to like a degree where there's like, if you're like Delver opponent is playing against you, they have to lean on, you know, plague engineer post ward really hard to be able to actually slog through your creature threats. But, you know, like your early game, they can make you stumble. And then your deck is kind of just a bunch of three drops. Um, well, yeah, he does have the natural orders. Yeah. In his deck. He's only got a couple of them, but he's got a couple of them for, and he's got, you know, I don't know about the, the hoof because i don't know if he can actually ever put enough bodies i mean a hoof for, for hoof because i feel i think if he's got enough i mean but the arc double dryad for, arbor like gilded goose like oko produces bodies right like it's it seems trivial to get like four or five bodies into play and hoof for just enough right well i i guess i'm saying like in my mind, the opposition deck with four or five bodies is probably just a one uh, game. Potentially. Already. Like, I, I I feel like the Archon, and then... And well, having a, just well, having I a like quick I win you, button is, like, pretty relevant and it's combo, right? Like, sure, you have the games where you're going to Archon them out, maybe, but there's also games where you want to um, hoof them out or 
like just present the fast clock or you may like draw your archon so you want the hoof to just go all right put you to three hope you can't go off through my singular force of will or whatever that's true i just always like progenitus in these style decks because i i when he doesn't have all the because he doesn't have most of the old opposition decks had uh the two mana draw a card elf and then yeah the old opposition decks were just like elves but with like garrick uh wild speaker in them and that was kind of their game plan it was just yeah be elves that had like a bunch of its synergistic effects just neutered but i'm i'm interested in what these new decks are doing i don't know if they're like actually good i think that opposition is a strategy that it's very easy for people to misplay against um but I, like I said before, like you have an early game that people are going to have to kill with removal, and then like your coaddles get to stick around and do whatever they want, <clears throat> and then you know, say someone tries to play the game of I'm not going to kill your mana dork because I need to kill your coaddle, then you get to like turn to an oko maybe or something along those lines. What do you think of the trinity on the sideboard? What does that do to your vision? I mean, like it's it I was just different. The guy who got second at the GP had the one of Trinisphere in the sideboard. Uh, the bug list that's actually here in the top eight is like almost the same list, if not the same list. But like the one of Trinisphere makes sense to me. These decks tend to struggle against combo. Um, you have enough mana dorks that you can turn to it. Like you probably don't want, you probably can't afford more than a singleton copy. Um, maybe a second copy could be potentially slid somewhere into the seventy fives. You know. Oh, we've got the 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 bug deck. It's got the the wombo combo meek stone questing beast. No, that's right. <laughs> that's Vigilance. A, that's a great Jesus. That's a great combo. Yeah, their 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 beaters don't untap. Yours never you ever seen a race you never wanted to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny to look at because you're just like, oh, and then you're like, oh, 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 this is like this is an artifact that's not an enchant creature that gives questing beasts unblockable. Yeah, I like Mixone it. Mixone <laughs> is probably a card that needs to see more play. I'm not sure. Like if if you're playing a four color control deck, just slam a Meekstone into your deck. Like it, it doesn't work well with your entreat the angels, but like all these Delver shells, I've always wanted to play with mentor. Exactly. Like there's been uh, more and more like monastery mentor shells popping up. I think one top eight of the challenge. Uh, yep. Or I could have sworn one top eight of the challenge. <clears throat> well. There was a list floating around. Gootbrod. Oh, Gootbrod, yes. Jo- Johan. <clears throat> Johannes Gootbrod, the Miracles Master. Um, no, he did he have... He didn't have Mentor on his list. He just had one entry, one main in the main and one in the sideboard. And then Oko. I guess these guys aren't playing Meekstone because oh. it doesn't pair well with Oko. But I know... Maybe I'm thinking of lists from... Oh, I'm thinking of Oliver Tomiko's list from the Players' Championship. Um, yeah, and like his list is super inbred because uh, of that tournament structure. But like, if you're playing like a monastery mentor style shell, maybe consider a meek stone. It seems pretty good right now. I mean, you could oh, like I would actually think that that would kind of help you. Like, so you could play around the Oko shenanigans because even if it like becomes a problem meek you stone. could elk your own meek stone to make it like you could but but if it didn't be a problem you can just like you could start elking their attackers that aren't powerful enough to make them to a three three so they don't untap like forever chaining keeping their stuff under lock you know that that's just hysterical right yeah you know it, it makes oko an assassinate Basically, as long as the meek stones in play, he's he has the assassin. Pretty much, plus. he just it just turns Oko into like the five drop Gideon, like basically the same text at that point. 
<laughs> which is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there anything else that stood out to you? Uh, was this painter? No, this is blue red Delver. I know there's some painterless floating around. Um, yeah. We see Thomas Marr top eighting yet another tournament with his five color deck. Um, he is <clears throat> Thomas Marr. His hobbies are playing five color control and top eating tournaments. Still playing three Arkham's Astrolabe and a deck that's playing him to Turok and Oko and to Fairy in the main board and Swords to Plowshares. And Swords to Plowshares. Just two. Yep. I, <laughs> he's got bigger nuts than me. He He's not scared. I don't. Yep. I don't even know how he gets <laughs> to these tournaments with his nuts dragging on the floor like that. Um. Yeah, I uh, three inquisitions also. Three like, inquisitions. My inclination back. is just to like, I, like so with this deck, I would take all of the cards that named Brainstorm and Arkham's Astrolabe out. I would shuffle up the rest of the deck, grab any random card, take it out, and then put a fourth Astrolabe in. And that's. <laughs> Like that's my inclination here. Yes. Like the fourth baleful strict something. Well, he only yeah. has the two basics. I know he only that's so weird. You, like I know he only two, has the two basics, which like gives more credence to three astrolabe because like drawing too many astrolabes is a problem, right? But you're still a five color deck. So like he's he can't Well actually that's what I think he needs the. I think he needs the fourth one because he only has two basics. Right. Like, if that so makes there, sense. There's two ways to look at it. Uh, there's your way of you only have two basics. You need to have four astrolabe because you know how do you function out from under wasteland? And then the other side is like because you only have two basics, the fourth astrolabe could become a liability because it could end up stranded in your hand a bunch based on your fetch patterns. Um. So I'm, I'm not really sure. I played this um, the same weekend he did well at the GP and got at my local shop and got demolished by DNT, which was very humiliating for me because, like, I never lose a DNT and always like disrespect that deck, and but when you show up with only seven duels. And two basics and then 11 fetch lands. DNT can get you. And they got me. Like, my mana was choked. The uh, the Arkham's were, they were like revoking the yeah, Astrolabes. Um, Arkham's Astrolabes. You just got wastelanded to oblivion. You didn't have, I didn't have K Command. Right. Well, you didn't have K Command either. Like, normally you have K Command in this deck to kind of like give you the two for one to kind of get over the hump. And you don't. Well, your bug control splashing white and red just, is the thing. Like the old old lists were like Grixis control splashing um, green, but now it's just a whole different monster. Yeah, and you have removal at every color, and that was a problem. Um, and there's just a lot of cards that don't do anything. Like the Teferis don't do anything in the matchup, uh, and his board doesn't actually improve the matchup at all. He gets like two force two swords and two engineers i think and that's it like you get library so you're just basically true no libraries are cards. get library i forgot but about it, library. like i get what you're saying there are, it's there you have a subset of cards that uh don't seem that insane in the matchup and you can see yourself losing to death and taxes kind of just getting to do its th- thing for a couple turns in a row like you just awkwardly flounder. Right. Well, I think like, like HJ is never losing to death and taxes post board. Like he's actually kind of, and I think it's smart to hedge for it. Um, especially over there because there's a lot of DNT over in Europe. So it makes that's, sense. That's know? probably something we should touch on. Just like how regional metagames affect these tournaments. Like, um, for Niagara, we were talking in the Discord about how Nimble Mongoose may be a more playable card because Tundra is often overrepresented. Uh, not GP Niagara, Bologna, excuse me. Um, we were talking yeah. about Nimble Mongoose. And for a tournament in France, 
uh, Han's playing a Delver deck that has a bunch of draw threes in a field that's likely going to be saturated with a bunch of control players. Um, it's probably like pretty game breaking, right? Like you say there's going to be fewer combo players. You put more stock in control and then you make your hedge for death and taxes because uh, random European guys love playing death and taxes. And you have like a, a deck that's proactive and it's doing something relatively powerful as well as like uh, having its hedges for the most common bad matchups you expect to see. And it doesn't shock me that he did so well. Yeah. I think he just played really smart. I think he played, he played, he played, he said, you know, fair games, fair magic is where we're at. Uh, even though I would, you know, fair is a loose word with how powerful these cards are now, but fair is where we're at. I'm not worried about turn one combos, maybe a reanimator. He's got three surgicals for it. That's it. You know, his, he would have probably had to fight against dredge or something like that. Cause he wasn't prepared for that. But how, how many people are going to show up competent dredge pilots? to a big money event. Uh, There are very few people who show up to events with Dredge uh, anyway, so it's just not something that I generally metagame for. And, like, you kind of just get your reps in against Dredge and learn how to beat them. And if you beat them, you beat them. If you don't beat them, then you don't beat them. And even Storm. Like, his Storm plan, you know, a lot of these Storm decks are now basically empty the Warren's decks. He's got the Plague plague Engineers. He also has the Null Rods. He probably would have Hans beat, yeah, like he probably would have had a hard time. Hans ended up beating Tagoras in the Swiss, I believe. Which, you know, now that you're mentioning it, the deck is pretty in on Empty the Warrens, and Hans has his Plague Engineers and his um, No Rod, and like the way that these new test lists are built, you can board in like more Shatter effects, and they aren't insane, but you're not going to completely hate yourself for it, you know. A random ancient grudge popping a mox opal and then flashing back and hitting something else or in a braid hitting a wish call talisman is like a relevant thing. Yeah. I mean, they're very much artifact centric decks now. So I think his deck, the Null Rod, was amazing. Um, Are we boarding a Null Rod against the Astrolabe decks? Uh, basically. Maybe on the play. Maybe you don't need it because you have so many draw spells. I think on a play you would. Sorry, what were you? If you see Mystic Sanctuary, I think you. I think you. 100%. That makes sense because they're most li- more likely to sit there and fetch a bunch of islands, and then you just get to destroy them. Yeah. When you play your, well, you get to delay their. You get to delay their sanctuary, right? But what I'm saying is, like, say you're playing against like the blue eyed miracles or banned miracles list, right? Because of sanctuary, they're more likely to pet fetch like island, island, and then, you know go from there um so if you no rod them then they just get like stuck on high tide mana right are are they start fetching planes forest whatever and then you don't have to worry about exactly. the terminus for a little bit right you want, like that's what i like i would i would assume they'll eventually hit lands but they'll have to fetch you know non-basics because they can't fetch the duels even though they have the island subtype because you know, your wastelands will, you'll have some wastelands in there. Like, I don't think wastelands are coming out of many of these decks right now because of Han's deck. We talked about last week and I don't know how many wastelands he can board out because of his three drops. Probably two ish. I guess painful. Yeah. So he'll have some, maybe three. You can probably board out three. Go down to 17 lands. Yeah. Because you're boarding in Sanctuary. That's probably fine. And then you're cutting like two Fatal Push. Um, maybe some number of Brazen Borrower. Maybe not. And then probably shaving some number of Bolts. And then boarding in like your Blast, Sanctuary, Painful Truths. And then depending on if they're like a Snake deck, you'll look at Plague Engineer or whatever. And then maybe consider Null Rod on the play or something. And then like against Miracles, you'll consider some number of Surgical and probably just cut all of your Wastelands. Honestly, cutting all of your Wastelands in general seems fine. 
because you're, you're going down to 16 lands. Wasteland is just like so bad. And like, like you're fine. Stalling. Yes. I feel like the borrower has to come out for that. I Like, I feel like your three drops can't happen. Yeah. Borrower isn't even in, that insane against these decks. Like bouncing yeah. a random planeswalker isn't that great. It can't bounce your own stuff. So, you know, I don't know. It's really weird. I have to test the matchup. We're just talking about it. And I have to test it. I was actually considering building it for next weekend to play because it looks fun. I like Dreadhorde Arcanist. You give me Dreadhorde Arcanist and Thoughtseize, and yeah, I it's get the two mana Jace the Mind Sculptor. So. And um, I'm like, I'm fine with it. Like, <clears throat> it's it's interesting to see that. Once again, Grix's Delver becomes the go-to foil for the control decks uh, when we start having a blue soup arms race. And I'm curious to see where things go from here. Like we discussed before, like normally you could maybe lean in on Chalice the Void, but that isn't really an angle of attack. Um, so maybe you'd have to do something like Sylvan Plug specifically, where you have access to Choke and Chalice the yeah. Void or whatever. I think you've you hit it on the nail right there. And, and even then, because of the astrolabes, choke's not even great. Because I have been yeah, choked you fetch your force, you fetch your planes, and then you can kind of thug it out from there. At least that's enough to cast your disenchant, or like cast your ponder into your disenchant. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Or your abrupt decay, whatever. Yeah, it's it's really annoying. the 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 astrolabes provide so much resiliency for the decks. They slow them down. I think Astrolabe and Veil just create like terrible deck building precedents and cut off like a lot of potential angles for attack. Uh, so there's probably something out there that could maybe attack these decks, uh, but I'm hard pressed to really think of something that can like answer the format and punish all of these blue decks because we're just getting back to the point where you should just play these blue decks, which is kind of like every legacy format. And the litmus test is like how miserable the blue decks are, or like how egregious they are in terms of abusing color. And right now we're back to just abusing color. Yeah. It's just, um, it's really weird. Like the, the NRG championship series happened, um, this weekend as well. Um, there was a neat deck Sam black brought to the table, which was like, a, it was like the, Green, white, maverick, but it's splash blue for yeah. Echo because it also you know, had life from the loam. Why not? And uh, <laughs> I, I mean, right, right, right. Well, it was green, white depths, right? Like green, yeah, white I mean, depths sometimes played loam, sometimes didn't. You know, the maverick depths deck, uh, and he just he only has one depths, one stage. Yeah, no, he he yeah he only played one of each. Yeah, he <laughs> because he plays once upon a he time. He really is just Bant Maverick with like once upon a time and Oko jammed in. Yeah, yeah he he reduced all his numbers, and it's cool. It's a cool deck. He's got some spell pierces in the sideboard, but his blue is mainly and only for. I think he's got a Teferi. Yeah, one in the sideboard. He's got a Teferi in the main deck. Or, or it's one in the sideboard. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing it. And it's just, you know, his blue is super, super little and everything else is green, white. And it's like an insane deck. I think he went four one with it, which was an impressive against the decks he fought because he fought Swords of Plowshares decks. But every time I saw him on stream, it was against the Swords of Plowshares deck. You weren't worried about Plow decks. Maverick was already like fairly decent against Plow decks when it was just a bunch of dorky creatures and then chokes. And now you get to play a Maverick deck that just has four Oko in the main deck. And like Palace Jailer, you know, okay, like you don't even he you don't even really care about your creatures. Like you're worried more that your Oko isn't going to resolve. Right. Actually, with four Okos, he doesn't even care about that. Right. He's a Mox Diamond deck. He's, you know, he's powering his stuff out. And, you know, he, he he's like basically it's like what we talked about before mm-hmm. with without even having Force of Wills. He's just like every turn Haymaker. Until you call uncle. I find it curious that does he have crop rotation in his deck? He doesn't have crop rotation. So he's Bajukabog, but no crop rotation. And then he only has the Fortnite of the Reliquaries and he doesn't have uh Sylvan uh what's Elvish Pioneer? He doesn't have that card. But also like 
he doesn't have any cycle lands to pair with his loam. So I, I'm kind of inclined to believe that. So I, I did listen to Pro Points podcast and Sam talked about like theory crafting this deck and then deciding like maybe I'll play two moto leagues with it just to see if it's actually functional. So I think there's probably room to um tweak the mana base in terms of maybe some of the tech lands. Because uh, this just like doesn't strike me as an insanely good bog deck when your crop rotation engine is like also your main thread and you don't really have anything else to back that up. So it could definitely do with some Elvish Reclaimers. Um, it does have the once upon a times to, to pair with finding lands, but it's not the same. Like well, he basically couldn't, he can't instant speed any of his stuff except for by night. Exactly. So it's all like on the table and like night, not night, uh, bog is specifically like the one land that you really want instant speed availability for. Like, you know, the com the depth combo sure it's it's like nice but, but it's not game breaking but like having access to a fast bog and instant speed will like outright win or lose you games and i think that um not supporting that makes me inclined to just not want the card in my 75 or makes me want to have more cards that support it but you know elvish pioneer i don't i mean he, he could put it in there Elvish Reclaimer? Reclaimer, yes. I keep thinking Pioneer, which is like some dorky elf from like Odyssey that lets you put another land in play or something. I think he could cut a Green Sun Zenith and an Oko to have two crop rots real easy. But I don't know if he wants them. It might make more sense just to cut the bog. Yeah, I think I would... I don't know. I kind of just want some cycle lands in this deck. But I think it's a nice, you know baseline point to try the deck from and see where it goes from there um do you do do you, well he also doesn't have horizon canopy so he could just run that right he has like no cycle lands but i feel like you'd probably want like one canopy one tranquil thicket or something in theory but this the way he's built this space is a bit tight so like the only cards you can really shave are like maybe green sun maybe some once upon a times maybe some okos and then the rest of his deck is like basically just one of green sun targets. So I don't think you can cut once upon a time. I think once you cut the first one, you might as well cut them all. Uh, if you can't have the free one, you probably don't want it. I think three probably it, you'd have to plug it into a hypergeometric calculator, which I'm not going to take the time to do like at the moment, but I don't think the math ha is insanely different between three and four. I get your point though, but I think that, you could maybe shave the fourth one and still have a functioning deck or at least still like have that card be functional enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, the big thing is like the, the green sun Zeniths lose value after so many creatures because he does have like some white creatures on his deck. I think he's got a palace jailer. He just has one yeah, white he's creature, got palace right? Jailer. I guess that's the only one. Yeah. 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 That's it. He has two palace jailers and he just decided like, this card is good enough to just not be able to tutor for, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that, like, mostly covers the tournaments of this weekend. I was having a discussion with Rugved where um, he was talking about how he didn't like Pioneer. I was like, oh, what's wrong with Pioneer? I haven't touched the format in a while. And I was like, it seems pretty fine. And it's just like, oh, the format is just, like, so terribly snowball-y. I was like, that makes sense. That's kind of how magic design has been slanted for, you know, the whole period of cards that Pioneer is legal. And I mentioned that, you know, non-rotating formats probably all just need force of will style effects to mitigate the die roll. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I saw your tweet about this and I really thought about it for a while. Um, I actually thought about it from multiple angles and i i have to agree with you that um an effect that can mitigate the die roll especially skewed to whatever is the problem would be very nice like it doesn't have to be force will it could be just like a removal spell that like makes you pitch a card you know something something to get to get to get some of the tempo loss of losing the die roll sorry you cut out there nice. for a minute what 
what did you say? Um, a way to, it could be like a, even a removal spell. It doesn't have to necessarily be a counter spell, but it could be a removal spell or like a disenchant effect. Like the last four set that came out for um, Modern Horizons, but something to get you tempo back from losing the die roll would be nice. Okay. Yeah. I like the way I look at it is <clears throat> you could in theory create a format that's like perfect, right? There's play draw, not a huge factor, et cetera, et cetera. But that format would be self-contained. It'd be something like old school, right? Where like, yes, there are, uh, you know, air quote innovations that happen in the format, but it's mostly just like the format slowly being cyclical as like people's mindset or mindset shift. So like people think like the deck is good and then it may shift to like some red aggro deck or whatever. And the metagame is determined based on, uh, those sort of cycles as opposed to um new cards being introduced so like you could yeah that's the bit i I think that's the big thing right so like you could in theory create a format like that where like it self-balances and like the card pool is perfect but i think the majority of magic players would get bored with that so you create something like an eternal format and like as you add cards into an ecosystem, you're going to throw things out of whack and new synergies are going to pop up that weren't considered because you can't consider every like interaction of card design within the last like whatever years, every time you make an effect. I think one of the criticisms of Watsi well, is look, just look like, at, what? Look, look, what you're saying a big point. I think look at this year, uh Thopter foundry, uh, Sword of the Meek, or so I think it was actually Sword of the Meek was unbanned. It was unbanned and no one cared. Like it did nothing, right? Mm-hmm. The card was like on the ban list. It was unbanned. Nobody cared. It didn't do anything. People tried some stuff. It was cute. It, nothing happened. Urza was printed. And not only is Urza a busted magic card, but then Urza makes Thopter Foundry Sword of the Meek a busted magic card. And that's, you know, in a finite pool, the card was fine, but you introduced a new card into the ecosystem and that card became bonkers. Right. And I think one of the things that people keep hurling at wizards is like, how could you not realize this card would break vintage? And it's just, or like how, you know, it would break legacy or whatever. It's just like the amount of time it would take to consider every, like every card that's printed in every format, right? Like just going through the iterations of like, is there something in legacy that this would make unbearable? It's, it's just like not worth the effort. So you have to like either go through things via bands, right? Like get rid of it. It it was a mistake. Get rid of it. Or you install fail safes into your format. Like uh, in modern, there was the, Grizzlebrand Neoform deck, or even Grizzlebrand. And for the longest period of time, people were like, oh, you know, maybe these decks don't need to exist because they're they're faster than the arbitrary turn four rule that people for some reason cling on to, even though that was literally just like a throwaway line in an article from 2012. But you know, people were just like, maybe these decks need to have an eye on them. And then like force negation gets printed. Right. And Grishel brand still playable, but not like the, it was much less of a factor and that's just how things pan out. And I think having like free counter magic, having free like interactive effects um, just gives you something to work with in terms of just not getting rolled every time you lose the die roll. Yeah, I mean Pioneer especially. So Pioneer's biggest problem is is the mana. Um man there's no mana accelerants unless you have to jump to hoop uh hoop form. And that except for the, the one drop green creatures, and there's not enough one drop removal spells that pair well, you know. There's plenty of things that will kill those green creatures, but nothing else. So they're like kind of like playing a pyroblast in your blue deck in legacy in your main like you can do it and there's targets for it but when you have it in a non-matchup you know that wild slash is doing nothing and so like that's i think like a lot of people's issue 
is because they can't they can't keep up. There's no way to like unless you're playing like spell pierce and wild slashes, so you can deal with what they're ramping into or deal with the elf, and then your deck's kind of like you know bad. Where force of will is is actually kind of a catch all. <clears throat> so it's kind of like it's it its floor is very low. Yeah, for sure. And right now, mm-hmm. like from my outsider's point of view, um, I feel like the things that people should be doing in Pioneer are either abusing mana dorks or doing everything they can to just abuse dig through time slash um, treasure cruise. Like, I get that there aren't fetch lands or whatever in the format, so the delve spells are much worse, but they're still just absurdly powerful effects regardless so you know that's just kind of the how lotus I see it. storm the, the oh yeah the lotus storm deck is really it, it mitigates all of the issues of dig through time it creates its own fetch lands by sacking lands to lotus veil so yeah <laughs> it it kind of does everything and it digs yeah easy game easy life so i don't know i I think the force of wills in all a force of will effect, you know, whether it be like R and D looks at like, Oh, creatures are the problem. Give a free creature spell to break serve or give a free counter spell to break serve, but definitely give something to break serve. Cause I think that's what we're talking about. Right. Is, is the break serve. Yeah. Or, so it's not just a die roll. Exactly. To- like if your opponent goes one, three, you should be able to have some sort of, um, some recompense, right? not necessarily just get completely bodied by uh, your opponent just having their one, three, four, whatever curve. So, you know, anyway, I think that mostly covers what we wanted to talk about. Was there anything uh, that stood out to you as noteworthy to discuss? Uh, There was the Urza modern deck that placed sixth place at the legacy challenge that was basically a port from modern to legacy uh it's basically an old tesserator deck got uh, rehashed into the urza modern people realized that tesserate kind of sucks as a card and karn and oko are better cards okay so it's just 2019 tesserator uh the mana is still bad yes. Um. Well, but you have better. Emery. He's got like four the mana is still bad, but you have Emery in your deck, yeah. so like you can buy back your Lotus Petals or whatever. Like one of the issues with Tesserator is that you were deck trying to play like Ancient Tomb Chalice and then also be blue, like had d- double blue spells, and you also had like blue black spells and blah blah blah. So blue red, right? You black, you were red. just like this. <laughs> terribly color intensive um you know deck look at look at the number of sword of the meeks in the main deck does it not have sword of the meek in the main deck oh that's sick <laughs> just tutoring it up nope. with karn that makes sense you literally never yep. want to draw that card yep and like right you know before these decks used to play like thirst for knowledge to like filter out their bad draws, but so many other cards have been printed that there's almost no space for that effect. So yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. Like, I feel like the Demir signet was their sort of the meek and they were like, yeah, I'm just going to put a Demir signet in here. Cause there's, it's just a one of Demir signet, one of Demir signet, so. some Lotus petal, three Lotus petals and three Mox opals. Like it, these numbers make sense to me in terms of just like you it's the same thing you're just trying to like one three four people like you're just trying to jam 2019 cards ahead of schedule and then your sideboard is literally just more 2019 cards and then like abrupt decay and ensnaring bridge i do like the double ensnaring bridge he even has a myth yeah and he's got the mystical dispute I mean, like, it makes sense. Crazy. You need a pyroblast effect, and <laughs> but it's cool. Like you're a chalice shell that plays around chalice. Yeah, it's the pyroblast for chalice, right? That's what's kind of cool about it for me. Also, like he's got the abrupt decays. Like it's kind of it's a very interesting deck to me. 
Um, you have like the one of Psy in the main deck. I, I feel like this deck can fight multiple. This is the type of deck that well. Go, does well until people realize what's going on. Also, like I said, it's still just a Tezraider shell functionally. So, like, or well, like you mentioned, it's a Tezraider shell. And, you know, looking at this mana base, ancient, four Ancient Tomb, four Sea of the Synod, uh, and then a bunch of non basics, these shells very much tend to awkwardly struggle uh, to just like mana denial effects, null rod, stuff like that. So I think it's cool that this did well. I think it's definitely something that can be answered pretty easily if people want to. So I don't think it'll, it'll ever be like a, oh my God, Oko, not Oko Urza Stompy is destroying the format because it has like very clear weaknesses, but I do think it's cool that people are trying stuff like this. Well, it, it does the same thing that we talked about before. Like, he, so his Oko's answer collector oof and null rod. So, like, he, he has like basically kind of like a in game answer where the where the like the the Mystic Forge Stompy deck and the Eldrazi Post everything else they don't have an answer, right? He does have it now. He does sacrifice that that with uh, bad mana, but. I don't mind his bad mana. Um, I mean, the black spells are kind of weird. He's got a lot of black mana just for Baleful Strix in the main deck. Baleful Strix is probably just a concession to um, Merit Lage, but God, does it make your mana bad? Yeah. Is there a way to make this like, I, straight I this blue could... green? Oh, yeah. Just don't play Baleful Strix. As funny as that sounds, like I think Psy makes flyers, right? I guess so. You could like play the Snow Snake. Yeah. You lose the artifact synergy, but you get much better mana. And then, like sideboard wise, you lose exactly abrupt decay. So it's like not that hard to splash abrupt decay off of like one underground C plus your fetch lands and then like your bobbles and stuff to still have the access to the two decays. So you really don't need to like make your mana bad by having the Baleful Strix in the main deck, but maybe we're underestimating like the amount of work that Mox Opal's putting in or whatever, or like the Lotus Petal Emery engine. Well, it is Emery recasting Baleful Strix. That's probably what we're missing, right? Yeah, that is that is your your new draw engine in these decks. So yeah, maybe it's. Maybe it's worth it. I'd have to see it get played. I'm just operating mostly off of my history of seeing these shells get piloted and generally either steamroll their opponent or just get tripped up and brutally destroyed. Yeah, I wanted an EE. Um, there's one on the sideboard, but I wanted one in the main. But I guess we are busy at all the numbers, so maybe yeah. maybe you can't run it. You're busy at all the numbers, and you're still a Karn deck, so you still have access to it game one technically what are, what are the your main things you're trying to ee game one it's just like a bunch of like one drops like elves basically or like maybe some interaction with death yeah, and taxes probably not worth it probably not worth it but it's a it was the deck that stood out to me the most over the the weekend was basically like the bant loam deck was cool which or whatever the maverick with dark depths yeah uh Ma- bant maverick Oko maverick and then like this, this deck was really cool because I mean it plays well. It it fought a lot of decks that seem really annoying, and it probably did really well. So, you know, it is it another sign of Oko's a problem, probably. But I, I really still think that like maybe maybe Oko is the problem, but I still think Astrolabe and Veil are like cards that are probably warping deck building way more, and I. I really think that once if those effects are taken care of, we'll see Oko still be like a very powerful card, but it'll be much more manageable. You know, I saw a rug deck. Honorok uh, played against it and Arkin. It was a rug Delver deck with basic mountain. <laughs> so I don't, I don't even know what to think about basic mountain and basic basic mountain and basic island. Basic the rug deck. But, island, um, like, I get it. Basic Mountain. 
Yeah, that blows your mind, right? You can say it. Uh, I, he played days. <laughs> it's really hard for me to justify basic mountain and rug. Like back to basics isn't well, like okay. a card right now. I mean, you could he, he okay. You can convince me of basic forest before basic mountain. I think. Correct. I agree. Like I, I time of guafs, guaf loam, you know, flashback ancient grudge, but basic mountain or even like Oko, right? Like there's a there's a lot of things you could do to convince me of basic island and forest. Uh, I'm still likely to play neither, but basic mountain is maybe. Did they have sulfur elemental in their deck? Did you see that or not? Uh, I just saw Okos. I saw a lot of Okos. They <laughs> they played a lot of Okos. Two different matches. I saw Okos. I saw Okos fought for and fought over and fought, and it was all Oko. I mean, and and here's the thing: like I'm going down the challenge, and I lost count of how many Okos I've seen. In 27th place is for real, Maverick. Jace, Jace T, MSSST, Jace Mist. I know he's been on a million times. Yeah, he's he played a, Oko Maverick. He is a very good <laughs> Magic the Gathering player. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he played Oko, two Okos and a Maverick show. I, and these aren't Astrolabes. These are just Okos, just like every type of archetype. What the? I'm sorry. Oh, that's an opposition deck. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, where's opposition? Because this is elves with Oko and Teferi main deck. Yeah. Yep. A lot of Okos. <laughs> All right. So be prepared for Oko, people, whatever you're playing. Yeah, just play your Pyroblast. Live your best life. But, um. Uh, All right. So, couple announcements. Hans, the dual Eternal Weekend champion will be on Everyday Eternal. Uh, the link to their Twitter will be in the show notes. Uh, last week, I was on Colors of Magic. Um, the link is also in the show notes, uh, but they're on Twitter at Color of MTG and Everyday Eternal is at Eternal MTG. Uh, and then for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter, Patreon, uh, basically everything at Thirst for Cast. And all of our personal links can be found uh, there. Um, Yeah. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.